everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. Really understand how to walk through that valley, walk through that storm, because sometimes the storm could freeze you and sometimes the storm could paralyze you, but you got to keep walking. But that came about because someone came alongside me in the natural to assist me. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it is as messy as you think, because we know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether it's through our venue consulting, speaking, or team training. We love to motivate others to take that really big leap. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. But we know it's just part of the process. And today we're learning from Dr. Anissa Riley. Dr. Anissa is a former school principal in New York, but also the host of her very own show on Fox Soul called Ask Dr. Riley. The show features one-on-one sessions with young and mature women where they discuss their traumatic issues that are faced in the inner cities. Dr. Anissa is also an author, motivational speaker, wife, and mother of four amazing young people. Dr. Riley recently received proclamations from New York State Senator Jose Serrano and New York City Councilwoman Vanessa Gibson for her assistance with improving the lives of the people in her community. The first book in her leadership series, Five Buckets of Leadership, Speaking in the Moment, was released in May 2021. Dr. Anissa, welcome to Hustle and Gather. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're so excited to have you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we would love for you just to jump right in and just tell us about your background, kind of what you did previously to where you are now and the decision to start out on your own as entrepreneur. Thank you. So as you Mm -hmm. so eloquently read, I have been in education for over 30 years. Some people look at me and go, what? You started when you were two? I was like, no, I started when I was one, but no. Mm -hmm, (laughs) I've been in education for over 30 years and I've had the fortunate experience to do some really great work in marginalized communities. For 17 years, I was an elementary school principal in the poorest congressional district in the nation. And we've been Mm -hmm. able to transform that community, not only for the students that we were blessed to serve, but for the families. So that's great work. And in that process, I've learned some things. I've got some bruises, got some bumps, has to have some war stories <laughs> to, to share and learn from. And I felt that there were a lot of leaders out there, especially in the fields of education, who get into this business or this service, this public service, not really realizing that trauma is attached to it or the traumas that can come from it, especially now that we are coming on the back end of the pandemic. You know, a lot of people talk about teachers, 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 help the teachers, help the students. But very rarely did you hear about help the principal or help the assistant principal. And because I have been fortunate enough to come out on the other side, still breathing, living and happy and joyful and not jaded, it was part of my calling to help those leaders as well. 
Um, so that's what made me take the leap and say, hey, I'm going to do this full time. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. No, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dana and I were Both actually teachers, teachers mm-hmm. before our career now. I was a middle school science teacher and mm-hmm. Dana mm-hmm. taught high school physics mm-hmm. and, chem- uh, and chemistry, mm-hmm. right? So, like, totally understand some of what you're talking about in terms of the service aspect <laughs> and the trauma that's attached yes. to that 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot. Like, that's a lot. I can't imagine. I'm always in awe of people that retire from that job because I do think yeah. it takes so much rare. out of you. I, re- yes, I remember for me in particular, one of the biggest turning points for me was when I was about to have kids and I realized how like emotionally spent and over children I was when I got home from work. And I was like, what am I going to have left to like give to my kids? Cause I've spent it all, you know? And, and so that was actually one of the, for me, big turning points. And like, is this what I want to do for my career? Am I going to be able to give to my family in the way that I need to give to my family by still continuing to do this? And obviously we made the shift, but yeah, like kudos to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You know, one of the things I say to that or two of the things that I say to that is one, you know, pieces of advice that I would give to my teachers is at the end of the day, when it's all said and done and you have to give an account for your life to whatever Mm -hmm. you think is at the end of it all, whether it be God, the universe, whatever it is, you have to ask yourself, do you want your biological children to say you were a great mom or do you want your students um, to say you were a great principal teacher? Like, what do you want that to be said about you as you, you know, continue on in this life? And you have to make that decision for yourself. And then the other thing I say to those individuals out there who go, teaching is easy. Education is easy. You got the summers off. You Mm -hmm. have all of these holidays. You only work. No, 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 no. That field, this field takes all of you, spirit, Mm -hmm. mind, body, soul. It takes all spiritual, physical, emotional, mental. We're on 24 seven. We can't just say, you know what? I'll do this report tomorrow or let me come in and have this. You even have to get permission to go to the bathroom. Oh, I know. Okay. So (laughs) you know, you got to get permission to go to the bathroom for two seconds. So, you know, you just have to learn how to balance. And when it gets to that place where mentally you know that it's it, then you have to make that decision, not only for the betterment of yourself, but for the students that are in your care. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's so hard. I mean, even just to the point of, oh, you have to have permission to go to the bathroom. And even now the way that the public schools are moving towards, you have to have permission to do your job the way that you were taught to do your job. Yeah. Right. Like that to me, I feel like all the changes that have been coming around and, and, exactly what you said is people not trusting teachers. I don't trust that you're there for the students and you're there for the betterment of their lives, that you're trying to push some alternate agenda of some sort, right? Like that's traumatizing. Like I would think. Yeah. Like just, I don't know, it'd be super, super hard. It's a very, I think it's a very hard world right now to be a teacher and I've never been more grateful that I'm not in it. (laughs) Were were you a teacher before a principal? Yeah, I was a teacher okay. prior prior to um, becoming a principal. I also became like a mentor for teachers in the mm-hmm. city, the citywide, mm-hmm. and then I was an assistant principal, and then I was a principal. So I've had the opportunity to see each level and experience yeah. the different traumatic <laughs> happenings <laughs> that could happen on each level. People don't realize it's a very public position. It is. And I think it's really interesting because I had uh, administration that was straight to administration, right? They never Mm. did the teaching portion of it. 
And then I had administrators that were teachers before that they were administrators. And there is a very big difference to understanding what you're actually going through in the classroom and like the amount of support and understanding as opposed to like that administrator that was just straight into administration and all about policy, but actually not understanding what all those things actually mean as they translate into the classroom. Which is so interesting because like to really kind of tie this into all types of businesses, right? Like a lot of people say for you to hire for that position, you need to do that position for a period of time, whether Mm -hmm. it's for three months, four months, six months, a year. So -hmm. you can create that job description so that you can create the, the appropriate expectations and understand what you're asking your employee to do. And, and you're going to have happier, uh, like higher retention, happier employees, like you're able to run your company a lot more like successfully because you understand it. And it's so, and that's business advice that we've gotten from the very, very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's what we encourage other business owners to do as well. It's not a new concept and it's not a new thought, but it's interesting that like the public schools don't even take that. that into consideration. Like you have to be a teacher for X amount of time before you can tell other teachers how to teach, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and I would agree. And it, it's interesting that you bring that point to the surface because mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to know how to do the job, but you should have some working knowledge. Just like you don't need to know all the questions to ask, but you need mm-hmm. to know how to ask questions to get right. information that you need. And if you're going to be a leader of people and not a manager of people, then you need to be able to know how to do that. And I think a lot of people who get into the business of administration straight from, from not being a teacher, think it's all about managing policy and not about mm-hmm. leading people. But then there are some people who get into it who are teachers who forget. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Go straight I to know. managing policy, right? Yeah. I mean, managing people. And they mm-hmm. got to realize that it's about leading people and managing procedures. That's extremely yeah. critical. I remember, yeah. I, remember um, I was pregnant with one of my children. I can't remember which one. But I was on a special education track. So we, they would um, do all of their inclusive classroom time through science on this track. So they would be in like a separate contained classroom for most of the day. And they would join our team, our seventh grade team, for science and for like lunch or whatnot. So they could have that kind of inclusive time. So when we did homeroom, this is like the first day of school, all of the kids who were in that kind of inclusive type environment were in my classroom. They were in my homeroom. So I think I had five autistic children in the classroom trying to get them started, like trying to get them to the next place they were supposed to go, get all their information and whatnot. This is the first day of school. One kid had already thrown up. One kid was crying in the corner. One kid couldn't stop hugging me. And uh, I was pregnant and like overwhelmed, right? All my kids were born in the fall. So I was really pregnant, you know, six months pregnant, seven months pregnant. Why is this kid touching me? Like overwhelmed in general. (laughs) And I remember my assistant principal came down the hallway. This is like right after I'm trying to get the last kid out. We're like literally 50 minutes into my planning. I couldn't get him out of the room to get him to his elective. And she's like, where's your attendance and bus slip? What have you been doing all morning? I was like, what do you mean? What have I been doing all morning? Like, what have I not been doing this morning? I was like, I looked at her and I was like, I've been painting my nails. What have you been doing? I mean, literally, you're going to ask me that? Like, you know what environment you just put me in. And I felt like you are so removed from what's going on in this classroom. Mm-hmm. And I felt like at that point, do you even value what I'm doing? Like, yeah. do you value the bodily fluid my pants have now, you know, absorbed at this point? And it was true to that point that I think that there is a lot of like that business principle of like understanding what goes on in the classroom yeah. to make great administrators. And I think that probably great administrators do make great business owners as well. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, and I, and I think that word value is also what I started to feel mm-hmm. or not feel as the position became more and more demanding via the public and um, at, um, government wise. It was that value that I started to look at and go, okay, so I need to value what I'm worth. I need to. Mm-hmm understand that what they're saying that I may or may not be doing doesn't define the fact that, and I'll use this term that I'm dope, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I say dope, I'm like, I'm good at what I do. And so if there isn't space for the work that I bring, the value that I bring, that I need to think about how am I going to honor my value? How am I going to honor my worth? And that is another reason why I decided to step out because I know that there are other administrators. I know that there are other leaders, not just specifically school leaders, but other leaders out there who may not realize that they their value. They know they're mm-hmm. dope. They know they're mm-hmm. good at what they do. But how do they bring that forth in a place which doesn't honor that? And who do they speak to who's not their evaluator, who's not their person who's going to say yes or no to whether they can have the job today or tomorrow, but really have someone who can be their sounding board, Mm -hmm. their strategist to assist them with one, realizing, yes, you're dope. Mm -hmm. This is why you're dope. Yeah. This is what we're going to do to make sure that you continue to be dope. You know what I mean? And so um, that is the leap that I took. Yeah. Well, I I love this thing on your website. Um, It says, my journey is not my own. My trials turn triumph are meant to be shared. If only one soul is impacted, then it was all worth it. God trusted me with trouble to help those who have experienced trauma. And I'm here to let you know there is triumph in trauma. That is yeah. my calling. That is my purpose. I am honored and I am humbled. And I think that is such a beautiful statement. Thank you. And I'm curious, at what point did you gain that courage to to take your own journey and like really begin speaking and sharing your specific story with other people? Um, so the phrase triumph and trauma came about because as I was experiencing this storm that I was in, like it was like, it felt like a never ending storm. Like I couldn't catch my breath. I couldn't see the the light. You know, I didn't see the eye of the storm. I was just like, what's happening, right? <sighs> the things that I would find would always be, so this is what it, how I am afterward, right? Mm-hmm. No one really, I didn't find really anyone who was talking about what was going on in the midst of it. I wouldn't really find anyone who talked about, no, you can be successful while you're in the storm, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was big for me. And, and then when I began to really look at it, you know, I was fortunate enough to be introduced to my coach. So I have an executive coach. I believe everyone needs a coach, someone who can help you move through it. And he, his name is Dr. Dennis McKeezy. He began to really pull me through and show me the light and show me that there's steps. You know, there's a scripture that says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear mm-hmm. no people. So really understand how to walk through that valley, walk through that storm. Because sometimes the storm could freeze you and sometimes the storm could paralyze you, but you got to keep walking. But that came about because someone came alongside me in the natural to assist me. Mm-hmm. And I came out on the other side. I'm I'm not jaded. I'm not, you know, in a crazy house. Some people are like, you're so bitter. I'm not bitter, but I am sh- sh- extremely better. But I felt like I needed to offer that to help people because some people get bitter and you don't know what happened to them. Mm-hmm. There was no one there to help them. Some right. people are um, have health issues. You don't know what happened to them, but I'm here to, I don't have any health issues. Right. And so how can I be that additional person to walk alongside? So that's where that came from. 
because someone did it for me. And we always talk about paying it forward. And so this is my opportunity to pay it forward um, to assist those as they're going through. So that way they can be triumphant as well. <laughs> so uh, what what is your story? Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's interesting because I didn't talk about it for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes when you talk about it, you like re-traumatize yourself. You're like, oh yeah. my gosh, right? Mm-hmm. And so you just want to not remember. But some, but what I found is talking about it helps to release it and it loses its power more and mm-hmm. more. Um, so just quickly, um, yeah. I was asked to take over a school that was racked in a lot of scandal, fiscal improprieties. Probably you name it, they were, it was engrossed in it. It had lost its way regarding instruction and teaching and learning. And it had became really a a cesspool of just scandal. And the way in which I was asked to lead was done, I would say like overnight, you know, the the staff went away for Christmas break. And when they came back, I was announced as the principal. So they Mm -hmm. didn't know what happened. Um, So in my naivete at that time, I really didn't realize the trauma that they had experienced. I didn't realize how that impacted them as well. So that kind of set the tone for the relationship. Although I was very gung-ho and I was happy and I was like, yes, we're going to create a great school system, a great school for kids. That variable I didn't attend to, but also played into a lot of the things that played out next. And in my process of leading you know, small changes I had to make to begin to shift the school back to its purpose of teaching and learning and creating an environment for kids. And in those changes, there were people who were getting milk from what I would like to say the golden calf Mm. were no longer getting the milk. Those people who felt they had did their dues and paid their time, unfortunately had to do things that they felt that they were no longer had to. Like they were entitled to these positions, entitled to these opportunities that didn't serve the school any Mm -hmm. longer. And so that created this animosity and they were used to running leaders out of the school. Um, One, the only other leader prior to me that lasted was one leader who lasted for five years. Mm -hmm. Um, But everyone else prior to other than that leader lasted two years, three years, because they ran these leaders out of the school Mm -hmm. based on these tactics. And so they went to what they knew and they, started doing, you know, what they knew to do to get rid of a leader who didn't serve their interests. I stood strong. I stood mm-hmm. tall. And when those tactics didn't work, they commenced to assassinating my character. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of publicity around um, these things. I'm an actress by, you know, that's my one of my other passions. So I, you know, I'm an actress. So I did some movies. They went and they found these movies, took them out of context started assassinating my character. It became a media hailstorm. Um, it was, I was on CNN. It was just like this snowball effect, like really, really bad. So if you look at it out of context and when you look at your internet media and your internet image and the way in which it can be portrayed, the narrative was very um, damaging. However, you know, if you have integrity, the truth will stand. It takes a long time for the smoke to clear. And so that image that pursuit, someone termed it a career scar. And I was like, yeah, it's a career scar. Mm. Um, really kind of began to halt a lot of my progression. Um, but I'm glad that I learned from it. Um, and so 
um, as I continue to stand and continue to create this environment for children, it calmed down the, 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 I want to say the dust settled and Mm -hmm. we were able to emerge as a great school. Um, And so that takes a toll on, on you because they come after you. They come after your children. The media sits outside your home. You know, they contact you. It it was very, very tough for a while. That's the short story. (laughs) It's a made for a TV movie or feature film. (laughs) Um, but, um, it may be lifetime, not Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, so that's it. And so, mm-hmm. um, that's yeah. why I said it was very traumatizing, mm-hmm. but yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I think it's crazy to go back into like leading those people. Yeah. It like, it really was. Like it it's, really it's a was. lesson in for, forgiveness almost and moving forward. Like that had to have been extremely hard. Yeah. So, cause sometimes, so you have this these variables, right? You Mm -hmm. have these attacks coming at you. But what helped me, and this is what I offer any entrepreneur, any, you have to keep the main thing, the main thing. Like, Mm -hmm. why are you there? You didn't, you mean, did you sign up because everything was going to be easy? Like you didn't know that it was going to be like, I didn't know it was going to be like this, but do I quit? At some point you have to evaluate if it's in the best interest to walk away, right? Mm -hmm. You have to make those decisions if in the best interest, but when you are considering walking away, are you walking away because that's the easy thing to do? Are you walking away because you just don't have any more fight? Like, why are you walking away? And if you can't come up with a sound decision as to why you're walking away, then it you may not need to walk away, but just sit and pray and meditate about what is the next decision, strategic opportunity that you need to make, right? Mm -hmm. And those were the things that kept me because every time I sat and contemplated and prayed and um, just listened, the decision that came was exactly the decision I needed to make because two weeks or three weeks later, that part came up and I was ready to Mm -hmm. answer that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so- Sometimes the stronghold on whatever it is that you're trying to do is so strong that it wants to beat you down, that it wants to destroy you, that it wants to kill you. But if you stand and you are committed to the main thing, and for me, it was those children, those babies creating a better equitable opportunity for them is what Mm -hmm. kept me forging forward. Because if all the great leaders leave, if all the good leaders leave, then who is going to create opportunities for children, especially in those underserved communities, especially mm-hmm. when those children don't have equitable opportunities? Who's going to make sure that they get them? And so I was called. And like I said on my website, like you just read, I was trusted with the trouble, right? Mm-hmm. I was trusted with it. And so um, got to answer the call, regardless of what it's like. I also think it's kind of amazing that you recognize and can verbalize that that was traumatic. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. That like, yeah, sure. It's a great story, you know, like, and you triumphed and the school is more successful and you stuck it out. And I think a lot of people can, you know, hang their hat on those kind of feelings, but also acknowledging that, you know what, that was actually really traumatic. And I might have some, some lingering things from navigating that. Cause I think when you're in the middle of it, you're not really processing it. You're just trying right. to get to the next day, the next day, the next day, but then recognizing that 
that was traumatic and there might be something lingering from that. It's funny because now that I have stepped away from it, I didn't realize, like I say, sometimes I say now I have PTSD, right? Yeah, (laughs) you probably do. Oh my gosh. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, the barrage of things coming at you when you're in that type of position, the job of the principal is is this ombudsman. It's this middleman. It's this buffer between what the policy is from central office or the district office to how it's going to land and make meaning in your school. Mm-hmm. Between what the families are requiring of you to what how it's going to make meaning, right? So you're this middle person. You are this filter. And sometimes the stuff that you're filtering is toxic. It doesn't make any sense. It it challenges your moral compass. You're like, what? I believe that, but I got to make it, make it, I got to sell it, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you navigate that? How do you balance it? And so now that I am away from that, I feel myself sometimes goes, oh, let me check an email. I'm like, oh, there's no email for me to check, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, oh, there's, I do, you know, so I've, I've had like these visceral reactions to what I've been doing for the last 17 years. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So taking a moment to breathe. And because it happened so fast, that job, you need someone to help you breathe. Mm -hmm. You need someone to make you realize that there is power in breathing. There is a moment that you can take just for yourself. And I just recently told my successor, I said, you have to decide on a cutoff time, Mm -hmm. 24 hours. There's always something to do. And so you have to make a decision that you are going to stop this work at this time, at this moment, so that way you can remember and value the fact that you are a human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so funny to be reminded of that sometimes. You are a human. You're not, you're a, not robot. a robot. Yes. yes. Um, I'm curious, what was the most helpful thing or person or maybe statement or maybe practice that got you through that and to the other side? So I'm a firm, um, I call myself a God girl. Mm -hmm. I am um, faith driven. So my belief, my faith in God is what centered me, is what has centered me, centers me, what grounds me. And so I offer that to individuals, not necessarily my practice and my my belief in God, but you need something to Mm -hmm. ground you, to center you. Some people have exercise, some people have friend groups, some people do yoga, but there has to be something that is your go-to that will calm your spirit, calm your sense of anxiety that you can anchor your your soul in. Mm -hmm. You need something that's going to anchor your soul because when the winds blow, Mm -hmm. right, you can't shift as the winds blow. They're just blowing Mm -hmm. winds. Winds Mm -hmm. do stop. Mm -hmm. Right. But you have to know if it's a hurricane <laughs> blowing, if it's a cool breeze or somebody in the background, going, <laughs> you know, some <laughs> just blowing like, you know, you're just trying to fan the right. flame. Right. So you have to know that. But that only comes if you have been centered and you are discerning. So that's what helped me because those moments when I was crying or I was I seem, seemingly confused or unsure just having that that grounding allow me not to go crazy allow me not to go um drink mm-hmm. i mean i don't drink anyway but drink more mm-hmm. than normally right or for me to you know not withdraw to a place that people get stuck in 
that helped. And I believe that when I felt myself slipping and I didn't have the strength, even with the grounding that I'm talking about now, I, my coach was sent to me, you know, see, I, I can't even tell you, like, I can tell you the um, physical way, like the technical way in which we connected, but how it connected so strongly, I can't even explain mm-hmm. that to you. But all I can say is that that was an answer from me being grounded, like, oh, you need somebody physical mm-hmm. now because you are going to a place where you're just like, Ooh, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. all right, I'm just going to surrender, you know? Um, so yeah. I love that. And, and I think that too, I, I do sometimes think that faith gets a bad rap and the fact that people just assume that the advice is, oh, just pray, just pray, just pray. And it is this physical person to get you through it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that advice that yes, there's something that grounds your soul, but ultimately a lot of times you need a, you need a physical hand yep. to get you through it, to help you yes. walk to the other side of it. And that there is, you know, that's the reality because we're, we're human beings we're people, yeah. you know? Yes. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about the story of the good Samaritan, everybody I'm sure hopefully is familiar with the story of the good Samaritan. That's the mm-hmm. Samaritan law, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, the guy, he was just traveling along his way, doing what he does. And he encounters all of these individual, I mean, these robbers who are stealing from him, taking from him, beat him up. So that's a metaphor for you just doing what you're doing. You're just being happy and you get confronted with all of these things that beat you up and leave you for dead, mm-hmm. seemingly for dead. And the people who you think are going to assist you just were like, oh, okay, I thought, you know, just go on the other side of the road. And then the unlikely person shows up to give you the assistance and the help that you need. And so that is a metaphor mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. life. You know, if you're a business person, if you're a mom, if you're a spouse and, you know, you're just getting beat up and it seems like one after the other is just coming, this barrage of mm-hmm. beating. And then people who you think you're going to help, like your family, your close friends, the people who you've helped, you think it should offer you the help and they don't, don't worry. There is a good Samaritan on the way to come and assist you. That is the way it is. People call it karma, but there is someone there that will come unknowingly to you that that will Mm -hmm. assist you and just be open Mm -hmm. to it. It may come in the form of a book. It may come in the form of a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It may come in the form of a um, video, Instagram. You know, people are, I, I saw a clip on Instagram and it helped me, right? So, you know, just may come in those forms, but just be open mm-hmm. to it, but also know that it will I come. That's great advice. I love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do love that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how your life has changed in stepping into your speaking career and what you're loving the most. Yes. So I say I've been freed from the golden handcuffs, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been freed from the golden handcuffs, you know, um, they, the salary will give you enough to keep you around, but it's not going to give you the life that you know you deservingly is your birthright, right? And so being free from those golden handcuffs have allowed me to have more um, say over my time and how I am moving. And I'm freely able to say yes to those opportunities now, right? So like this, I'm Mm -hmm. on the podcast with you at this particular time during the day or whatever time we're going to um, mm-hmm. it's going to air. But before I'd be like, I can't do it now mm-hmm. because I got to go help a kid. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm able to sit here 
and give mm-hmm. my attention to you and speak from a place of calm and peace and hear what needs to be said to offer what energy I have, right? In that space. So that's what it has mm-hmm. provided for me. Also, it has freed up mm-hmm. my mental real estate to mm-hmm. be more creative, mm-hmm. right? And to hear what ideas that are for me to make sure that I'm able to create the generational wealth that I know that I want and deserve for my family. Because my desire is to be that change agent in my lineage that they can say, oh, it was grandma, Mm -hmm. Dr. Riley, who did X, Y, Z, the reason why Mm -hmm. we are here now. It was five generations ago that great, great grandma, Mm -hmm. Dr. Riley, you know, they'll have mm-hmm. their portrait up on the wall, you know, <laughs> that they'll say, we, you know, we thank Grandma Dr. Riley for creating this financial legacy for our family. You know, there's so many names out there, Rockefellers, you mm-hmm. know, Buffett's. Yeah, Riley. Oh, added to that mm-hmm. The Riley, the Riley, you know, and be able to change the financial lineage. So this is what it has afforded me. So I'm so grateful for even being able to step out and, um, claim my birthright. I love that so much. I think it's hard too, because I think a lot of times, like I, I love, I love the idea of people who, who like step out in entrepreneurship and they can kind of marry the idea. This is what I love. This is what I've been called to do. This is where I feel like I can serve people, but it's also where I feel like I know that I can change the trajectory of not my life, but my family's mm-hmm. life and my future children. And a lot of times it's not talked about. There's like a lot of shame associated like a with stigma, a stigma, a, a, probably not shame, a stigma with the want to change that, what you said, your financial lineage, which I think is so, so, so powerful. And I think especially as women, yes. I think especially yeah. when a woman comes out and says, okay, I'm doing this for my own personal financial yeah. freedom and gain, but also to like benefit my children and kids and whatever. Whereas I think it's like expected of men, but then I, as women, it's like, oh, no, it has to come from a place of service to be authentic mm-hmm. and it can be mm-hmm. service and profitable mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and just to attach to that, you know, I already said, you know, I'm a God girl. So there is um, in Proverbs 31, right. It talks about the Proverbs 31 woman, a virtuous mm-hmm. woman, right. And it talks about this woman who has doing all of these things. She's a wife, but you know that mm-hmm. she is an entrepreneur, right? right? The Bible, the, the Proverbs 31 woman is an entrepreneur. Yes, she's taking care of the home. Yes, she is, you know, cooking dinner, you know, for her family, making sure that they have clothes. But no, she's an entrepreneur. It talks about her buying land, mm-hmm. a real estate mogul. She's a real estate mogul. She buys land. She sells the land. She is um, um, selling merchandise. So she has a retail business, right? And I'm sure if it was written in today's lingo, she would have an online profitable business. She would, she had a podcast because it talks about her talking in the square and her voice is recognized. So um, as much as society may create the stigma around it, back in the ancient days, they were doing it. <laughs> the women were doing it and they were being successful. And so I say that that's what we're supposed to be mm-hmm. doing, right? Um, we're in we're entrepreneurs. I think women are supposed to be the entrepreneurs so that they can still be at home mm-hmm. taking care of their family. They were bringing money home into the. They were bringing finances mm-hmm. in, and it's because of those decisions that this virtuous woman made in Proverbs thirty-one and decisions that she did that her spouse was talked about in the marketplace like. Man, you have a dope life. 
she's good at what she does, right? Yeah. And so, and then her children rise up and mm-hmm. called her blessed mm-hmm. because of the decision, powerful business decision mm-hmm. mind that she mm-hmm. had. And so if we get rid of the stigma that society has put on us and embraced what we are called to do, then I think that everyone's financial lineage will be changed. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not easy. Don't think I don't sometimes have anxiety around it. Like, because when my family, some some of my family members are calling me crazy, like you left this six-figure job, mm-hmm. you know, this stability, this every two-week paycheck, twice a month paycheck. And, I, and I'm just like, I mean, don't think I just jumped out and did it. Like I did plan mm-hmm. for this. But, <laughs> So, you know, I didn't just say, oh, I'm leaving. No, no, no. I did plan. I, you know, wasn't just something that I said, oh, yesterday, I'll see tomorrow. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. This is something that has been in the works. And my husband and I Mm -hmm. agreed on this, right? So this is something that Mm -hmm. we both agree because my income that I was having, the stable, the stable Mm -hmm. income, I call it, do air quotes (laughs) around stable because lost their job Uh with their stable income, right? that stable income was going to be not part of the household mm-hmm. quote unquote budget anymore. So we had to mm-hmm. make adjustments around that. So it had, it was a yeah. plan, right? Yeah. So I just want to yeah. emphasize that you hear me, don't, <laughs> don't leave tomorrow. <laughs> make sure, <Have> a plan. <laughs> make sure right. you have a plan and make sure you know what you're doing. Um, and, and if you're a woman, um, mm-hmm. roar yes. loud. 100%. <laughs> oh, I love that. I know. That's so great. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about your book series where people can find you and a little bit, you know, how they can reach you if they want to connect with you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the book series falls under, so I have two businesses, that's the you know, Triumph and Trauma, you know, helping leaders go through that, whether you are a school leader, any type of leader, work you through that. And then my other business is Giant Step Six, that's the educational Mm -hmm. consulting, so helping schools. And so the book can go under both of the companies. So it's Giant Step 6 LLC and it's axdrriley.com. Mm-hmm. And the book is around leaders who have a fear of public mm-hmm. speaking or when they are in conversations such as these or in the boardroom, they may get tongue-tied or the pressure of the moment causes their brain to go mm-hmm. like on mm-hmm. fritz, like, oh my gosh, I just lost my thought. I don't know what I'm saying. Am I clear? Am I concise? Um, and I t- I'm into brain science. Right. I love brain science. I'm fascinated about how the brain works. And because of that, I learned a technique to hijack your brain. Mm -hmm. So when all of that cortisol is rushing to your brain, which will stall your thinking process or your processing of information, I teach you a trick to hijack all of that, to reroute your neurotransmitters. So that way you can access the information that you need so you can speak clearly and succinctly every single time. Um, and I just got a review from someone who I didn't even know, um, who said they read the book, they used the technique and they landed the job. Nice. Um, awesome. And so if you are someone who is, um, who has that difficulty or even you want to enhance your ability to speak, mm-hmm. I encourage you to get the book. It's the five buckets of leadership speaking in the moment. Um, you can buy it on Amazon. You can go to my website to get the book. So um, I encourage you to buy it. Um, it is the first in a five-part series um, mm-hmm. about the five buckets of leadership. It's so the it's first five. bucket. Yes, the first bucket. Yeah. The first mm-hmm. bucket is speaking okay. in the moment, learning how to speak. 
And the second bucket, which I'm working on now, is going to be called Blind Spot Indicator. Mm-hmm. And it's really around the need for a coach or a mentor who can help you identify your blind spot. Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about The Hustle. For our episode with Dr. Anissa, we are drinking City Gin, which for all of you out there is just ice water. And my therapist said it's the best way to stay calm. It's a big glass of ice water. We hope we get the chance to make it this week and cheers to honoring your value. To learn more and connect with Dr. Anissa, you can visit her on Instagram at askdr.riley or visit her website, askdrriley.com. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CD Events at the Bradford and C at anthem.house and at hustle and gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website, hustleandgather.com. And if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.